This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Frank Coulter. Good morning again, everyone. Well, it's Remembrance Day. You know, aren't you thankful for the nation that we live in? You know, that many, amen. That many men and women have sacrificed their lives. And one of the things that they sacrificed for is so that we could gather like this on a Sunday morning and worship freely in our nation. It is one of the things that we have in Canada that we are very used to. And we think it's just a normal thing. But, you know, there's places around the world where people cannot gather in the name of Jesus. It's a wonderful privilege for us. Um, actually, at the beginning of our 11 a.m. service, we're going to be having a moment of silence, as you should also do, um, whether on your drive home. Don't try to stop, though, your car. <laughs> but uh, just do your best today as we remember and thankful for the nation that we live in. Well, we have uh, our guest this morning, Wes Edwards. He, he led us in worship this morning. Um, a longtime friend of my wife and I and uh, our church and our ministry, we actually had him in this weekend. He ministered to our uh, worship and production team yesterday, just invested into them, led us this morning. And then he's also going to be here uh, this Wednesday um, for our worship and prayer night. Now, back in the day when Wes and I were really young, it was not that long ago, you know what I mean? We're still pretty young, right? Didn't get a lot of agreement there, whatever. Um, we had youth retreats together when I was a youth pastor starting in 2004. And along with another friend of ours, Brad Larson, uh, we just went up to Muskoka Woods every year with our, our youth ministry here at the church. And Wes led worship and we still have amazing memories of all of the things that God did um, in the young people's lives. Uh, just a privilege to be a part of youth ministry back in the day. And uh, so glad that um, God brought me and Wes together. I really feel like him and his wife, Tanya, are some of our best friends in ministries. And we love them. And I just wanted to show you a picture of their family. And so this is Wes and Tanya. Now their son, Rivaldo, um, back there. And how, how long have you had Rivaldo now? Seven years. So they adopted Rivaldo from Haiti. And now they are presently in the process of uh, adopting these two other boys here at, at the foreground. And uh, he said they've already gone through the whole process uh, to adopt them. And uh, such a wonderful looking family, don't you think? So they, they've gone down to the orphanage there um, in Haiti where they live, and they're expecting to get them before Christmas. And so that's amazing. And one thing I just wanted to mention, you know, we're, Wes is here um, to, to minister to you as a church, and we're going to be giving him an honorarium. But one thing I know about interna international adoption is that it's not free. So I have a recommendation for you as your pastor. You see Wes after the service today. Give him a really good handshake. And when I say a really good handshake, I mean you put some money on the inside of it. And then you give it to him uh, just to be able to help his family in these last stages of adoption. Now, it's, he's from the States. He's actually a, a worship pastor in North Carolina. So we'll actually get all of the money exchanged into American funds before he heads out. But let's just bless him and his family uh, just as he came to minister to our church. Would you agree with that? Amen. Thanks for coming, bud. All right, well, we are continuing our series this morning. We are in week five, the series that we have called Hall of Faith. 
And what we're doing in this series is we're looking at all of the men and women in Hebrews chapter 11, and we're seeing all of the things that they accomplished by faith, that they did things for God in the time that they lived. And then Hebrews chapter 12 starts out seeing all this great cloud of witnesses, seeing all these people that did and accomplished these amazing things by faith that you and I would run our race that we would actually accomplish things by faith. And so, in other words, Hebrews chapter 11, in one sense, is not a closed chapter, that you are invited into this great chapter of faith, this hall of faith, so that you, in your life, that you can accomplish the things that God has for you. And how are you going to accomplish those things? You're going to accomplish those things by faith, by putting your trust in God. And that's what we're discussing in this whole series. So let's turn our Bibles this morning to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Now, so far in this series, we've talked about Abel, that he gave an offering. We talked about Enoch and how he walked in fellowship with God. We talked about Noah, the boat builder Noah. And then last week, we talked about Abraham. And that one specific area that we talked about Abraham, that God called him into the place of famine, that God called him into that difficult place because he actually wanted him to do something in that difficult place. God didn't create the famine, but God called Abraham into that place of famine so that he could bring change according to the power of God. So if you missed any of those messages, you can catch up online through our podcast and then also through our church app. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Righteous means those of us that have received a relationship with God, that God has given to us his righteousness, his right standing with him. He's given it to us through his grace, through his goodness, through his love, not by anything we did, but we received it as a gift. And then because he has given us all of this by his grace, what he wants us to do is live by faith. We have this relationship with God. That is a gift to us. And so what are we going to do? How are we going to live? How are we going to live every day? Not a Sunday morning thing, not a church service thing. But God wants us to live by faith every day, every situation of life, every circumstance of life that we would be putting our ultimate trust in him. And as we've been saying in this series, that everybody actually lives by faith. Everybody lives according to their beliefs in something. And what we don't want to do, we don't want to live by faith in culture. Culture is always changing, always shifting, always moving around their ideas. So we can't live by faith in the culture. And what God wants us to do and see how we live our lives separate, that we're going to be putting our trust in him. It's a personal thing, that faith is a personal relationship with uh, idea, putting our trust in him, not just trust in ideas, not trust in the shifting sand of culture but putting our eternal trust in God. And he wants us to live this way every day. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So as we look at these stories, that what we are desiring is that our faith in God will grow. We will see that the things that these people accomplished by faith. 
And that's why these stories are emphasized. That's why these stories are talked about in Hebrews chapter 11. Because we can go back into the Old Testament and we can see what these people did. We can see the circumstances that they faced. And then we can identify with them because they're not perfect people. They made a bunch of mistakes. They, bit a, they did a bunch of wrong things. And, and like we said about Abraham, that's what's great about Abraham. We can see all of the mistakes that he made. So we can really identify with him because we make a bunch of mistakes. So today we're going to be talking about Abraham's wife, Sarah, specifically, and her journey with God, and not just alone, but her journey with God and her relationship through Abraham. So let's read here, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it, talking about faith, the people of old received their commendation, and it's the same way with us today. That when we put our faith in God who provides everything that we need for life, that we are going to be commended as we do that. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made of things that are visible. Now, here we are talking about Sarah in verse 11. It says this, by faith, Sarah received power to conceive even when she was past age. Since she considered him faithful who had promised. Such a great thought here about Sarah and how she accomplished something by faith. Now, as we mentioned last week, um, when, when God called Abraham and Sarah to leave their nation, to leave their sort of home territory, their home country, and to go to a place that God called them to... He called them to that place with the promise that he was going to make them a father of many nations. And to be a father of many nations, you actually have to start with one nation, and that would be an individual family, which means you need to have a child. But the issue here with Abraham and Sarah is they were really old. They were past um, childbearing years. And God had called them for a specific time and for a specific reason, um, you know, for the establishment of the covenant. And when we, when we look at the story of Sarah, we're going to realize that she was 90 years old when she had Isaac. The scripture says what is, that she received strength. Now, you know, you think it would be, uh, apparently it's very hard to have a baby. This is what I hear. This is what I'm honest. I hear it's a very difficult thing. And this is what it says, that she received strength to conceive. And that's important for a 90-year-old woman. She's going to need strength. Now, my mother is not quite yet 90. You know, she's getting there. She's on the way there. About a dozen years or so to get there. She's not ashamed of her age. Don't worry. You're like, you just said how old your mother was. She's fine with it. Okay. I get permission for these things ahead of time. You know, and I I want us to trust God for the dreams that we have. But this is one dream that I do not want God to give to my parents. You know, it's just just kind of be a weird thing 12 years from now when I'm 60. That my mom is going to have a baby. I'm like, mom, I'm not available to babysit. There's nothing I can do. I probably have my 12 years. I might actually have my own grandchildren. I just ruined my whole morning there. Hold on a second. (laughs) Avery, Avery will be 31. She might have a child. 
Seriously, I'm just, I messed myself up this morning. I didn't plan for this illustration properly. Whew, okay. Be like, Mom, I can't take care of the miracle baby because I'm watching my own grandchildren. So this is, this is not a dream that I want God to give my parents, okay? This is kind of what I'm talking about this morning. But the story of Abraham and Sarah is very specific. It was a specific to the call of God for their life. So let's go back and read about it here in Genesis chapter 18, verse 9. And we'll read about the story and then we'll comment on it a little bit. Genesis 18, verse 9. Then they said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, she is in the tent. And the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, will, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, talking about Abraham, shall I have pleasure talking about having a child? Because they hadn't had a child to this point. This was something that Sarah had struggled with. The Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Verse 14, is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it saying, I I did not laugh or she was afraid. He said, no, but you did laugh. Genesis 21 verse 1 says, the Lord visited Sarah as... He had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, who Sarah bore, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son, Isaac. He was eight days old as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when Isaac, his son, was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham and Sarah would nurse children, yet I have borne him a son in his old age. So as we look at this situation, as we look at this story, Abraham 90, Sarah, sorry, Abraham 100 and Sarah 90. It's an impossible situation, completely impossible situation. And once again, this is specific to the dream that God had given to Abraham and Sarah to be a father of parents of a nation. That God had called them out of the place where they were and called them into the promised land and then said, you know what, I'm going to give you a child. It took about 25 years for them to see the culmination of the promise. But as we would think about the will of God for our lives and the things that God would call us to, that everybody will face these situations specific to the call of God on your life. Something that you need to do, something that you need to accomplish, that in the moment is just kind of a dream and it's kind of a way off dream and it actually looks impossible. And God asked the question in the previous verses, is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? God has called us to a certain thing that God wants me to do something with my life. And then we might look at that dream. We might look at that notion, that idea, that thought and be thinking, man, that is really 
hard for me to do. And I would say, then, then we realize we actually have a godly vision. Because if we look at our lives and we say, you know what, I can do that. And I can accomplish that. And that thing, oh, yeah, no problem. That I would say that your dreams aren't big enough. That your dreams aren't God-sized. That God is actually moving us as individuals and as families that he wants us to dream big for our lives. He wants us to have big thoughts and the thoughts that we would think about those things, we would just say those are impossible. And then we know that we're dreaming a God-sized dream because nothing is too hard for God. And I'm, and I'm um, being specific though this morning that this isn't the dream for everybody. That this isn't the dream that everybody's, I need to have a child when I'm 90. You know, that's probably not the dream of most 90-year-old women. And so my my point is, that's not the specific dream. But God has a dream for you that in the moment, this is really hard. It's going to take some time and it's going to take some effort. And this is the thing that we need to know, that this is what God is calling us to. This is what a life of following God looks like. It's not always this easy, and it's all, not always just a bed of roses. That it is it's a challenging thing. That God is challenging us to put our trust in Him for the impossible. This is too hard. Good, let's trust God. Because at the end of it, when something comes to pass, then we can say, all glory to God. It actually wasn't about me. It wasn't about what I can do, but it is actually about what God has called me to as an individual, as a family, as a church. That we want to impact our city. Well, how does a church do that? Well, it might just seem really impossible. Perfect. Let's go for it. That's the way we need to think about life. Well, this is, this is too hard. It's an impossible thing. But then we remember that there's nothing impossible with the Lord. So the first thing we want to look at today as it relates to faith, so we've been talking about faith, we've been giving you, you know, we talked about faith obeys and different things like that. And one of the things that we want to discuss today, we see in the story of Sarah, is that faith receives. That said, Sarah received power or she received strength to conceive seed. That this is the posture of our faith in God. What is it? It's a posture of reception. That the things that God offers to us through his grace, by faith, we should want to receive. We should want to receive the things that God gives. Sarah needed strength to conceive seed. What did she do? Scripture says she received the strength. She received the power to conceive seed. It's such an important thing for us to think about as it relates to our faith in God, because our faith in God can become inactive, but faith is active. Faith in God has an action with it. It actually looks a certain way. And one of the ways it looks, it looks like a receiver. I'm going to receive something from God. Very famous story here in uh, Mark chapter 10 about in the ministry of Jesus. But a blind guy who receives something from God. Let's read about it here. Mark chapter 10, verse 46. Then they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. 
when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Can you see the action of his faith? Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called the blind man, Cheer up, on your feet, he is calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, and, and that's representative of him throwing his blindness away, that he actually had to wear a cloak that told people that came up to him, Hey, this is a blind man. So he's throwing that cloak aside. He jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. Now listen to this interaction. Verse 51. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. This is a beautiful thought right here. Because I would say that it's kind of obvious in two accounts that he threw away his blindness coat. And then most likely somebody would have had to help him get to Jesus. And he says to him, Uh, What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Listen now. Your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. This is a great Bible story. And it's not just in there for us to celebrate the story and be like, Bartimaeus, I love Bartimaeus. But the reason that this is in here is that we can do what Bartimaeus did and we can have the same attitude that Bartimaeus had. What was Bartimaeus' attitude? Went there, Jesus, I want to receive my sight. Jesus said to him, your faith, your trust in God is the thing that's going to make a difference In your life, in your specific circumstance, our faith that is not just stagnant, that our faith is not just laying around, but what does it actually look like in this specific story? Your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight. That one of the actions of faith is receiving what God gives us. Think about it like this. It's just kind of like a posture of openness. I've just opened myself up to receiving what God has for me. Because wouldn't that be the best thing? Wouldn't we agree that receiving what God offers to us, what God comes to us with open hands, God offers what we need for our lives. He offers it to us. Let's let's think about the story now. So Sarah and Abraham, they had a call on their life for a specific thing to do and a specific thing to accomplish. Have a child, have a family. So God is not calling us. Now, this is so important. God is not calling us to something that he doesn't come to us with open hands, with the grace necessary to do the thing that he's calling us to do. He's not saying, here, I need you to do this, but I'm holding it back from you. No, he he offers it to us. And what should our posture be? God, I want to receive what you have. I want to receive what you have from me. I want to receive from you what you say you are giving to me. Because Jesus said, what did he say? Man, your faith 
has healed you. Just this trust, this simple trust, this reliance on God and his power. The things that look impossible to me, what are they? Possible with God. And so for it to be possible with God, I actually have to receive from God the thing that he offers to me. So this should be our posture. Faith receives. Everybody say that together. Faith receives. So that's the way I should be walking through life every day. God, I I receive from you today, God, what you have for me. Well, well, I, I need wisdom for this day. Well, I have a really good suggestion. Receive from God because God offers us wisdom. I need help today from the Holy Spirit. You know that one of the uh, definitions of the Holy Spirit is our helper. So I need some help today. I need some supernatural help. Well, where are we going to get supernatural help? We're going to get it from God. So what should we do? I got a posture of receiving today. And when I have a posture of receiving, man, it changes my outlook. It changes my face. It changes my word. Why? Because I have received something that God has offered to me. Something that God has given to me. He's already given it to us. My, my, my daughter is at, away at university. And one of the things that she has is she has my... Um, Starbucks. Uh, oh, I lost my poppy. Preaching too hard. I'll put it back on after service. I still remember. This is not disrespect. It's just preaching too hard. So she has my, my Starbucks barcode for drinks, all right? And so I've already given it to her. But once in a while, you know, if you have the Starbucks app, what happens is when you scan your card, the thing shows up, you know, tip available. So I know where she is. So it's kind of a good thing. So, <laughs> so it shows up. But listen, I already gave it to her, so I wouldn't be mad if she uses it. And this is what we need to understand about God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. He's not mad when you receive what he's given to you. Man, it's just a posture of openness. God, I want all that you have for me. In every situation of life, I put my trust in you. And so what did Sarah do? She received strength. Man, we need strength every day, all of the time, for every circumstance of life. Let me just read you a few verses about strength. Isaiah 41 verse 10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. He's always with you. And then think about it now. What is his posture towards you? What does he want to do? Or what does he do already? He's like, don't be dismayed, for I am you with you. I will strengthen you. That's active. That's now. It's right now. It's in this moment. And so if you think, if you're thinking, you know, Pastor Bren, I just want you to be done with this message so that I can receive strength from God. You don't need to wait. I won't be bothered. Right in your seat. You need to say it under your breath. God, I receive your strength. Why? Because he says, I, I will strengthen you. 
And so I, don't wanna, I wanna be open. I wanna be wide open to the strength of God because it is the thing that I need. It is the thing that Sarah received to accomplish the thing that God had for her. And he gives us his strength. I will help you. I will uphold you. You know what? I, I just feel like I might fail. I just feel like I might, uh, there's too much weight on my life right now. I just feel like it's just too hard for me to handle all of it. He says, present active, I will uphold you. So me putting my faith in him, I'm going to receive the thing from God that he offers to me. Man, then I can walk in it. I can walk in it so that I can walk out to the plan of God for my life. Isaiah 40, verse 29, he gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Man, that's good news for us today. We kind of feel like, you know what? I'm failing under the weight of this. He's increasing strength to the people. Like, I've got no strength on my own. But that's where... It's impossible with you. I agree, but with God it's not. His strength comes in when mine fails. And so what should I do? God, I'm just open to receive what you have for me. God, I want to receive all that you have for me. Psalm 31 verse 24, be strong and let your heart take courage, all of you who wait for the Lord. And as I've told you before here, this word wait doesn't mean like wait sitting around sort of impatiently for something to happen. It actually means to be intertwined with God. In other words, his strength becomes your strength. I'm waiting on the Lord. I'm sitting in his presence. I'm receiving from him what he's already given to me. 10 Corinthians chapter 12, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. The next thing that we see that Sarah did is that Sarah considered God faithful. And this is what faith does. Faith considers God faithful. If you're taking notes, write that down. Faith considers him faithful. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, we're not coming in our own goodness. We're coming because the blood of Jesus has been shed for us. By the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. With our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. So we read the story about the gospel that Jesus has done something for us because he has shed his blood and we can come close to God because of what Jesus has done for us. 
And so we come in that moment. We don't come in our own goodness because we don't have any. We come in the righteousness of God. And in that moment, we remember that he who promised is faithful, that my trust is in him. My trust is in God. My trust is not in the shifting sand of culture or politicians. My trust is in God. And when we come to him, what are we supposed to remember? We're supposed to remember the story of God's faithfulness. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another. It's all the more as you see the day. Now this, sometimes we use this verse to make people feel guilty for not coming to church. But this is not to make you to feel guilty for not coming to church. But one of the things that it says is that we get to do when we come together, we can encourage somebody to have hope for the future because something that God has done for us in the past, namely Jesus coming and dying on the cross, because that happened in the past, we can have hope for the now and we can have hope for our future. That is why we gather together. We're gathering together to lift up the name of Jesus. Remember that God has done something for us. Man, we can encourage each other. So when we find somebody at church, we gather together, we find somebody at group, or we find somebody on our serving team, that they that we might feel like, you know what? Their strength is failing. What are we going to do? We're going to remind them, put your hope in God. He is faithful who promised. He is faithful who promised. That we can put our trust in God. Aren't you thankful for that today? Let's just pray this morning. God, we are so thankful for your faithfulness. And God, we just open up ourselves. We open up ourselves as a posture of receiving to you. And God, we just take a moment to think about the things that you have called us to, the things that you want to accomplish in our homes, on the job, at school, the things that you have called us to that might seem impossible as I think about it, but I know with you, they are possible. And so God, today I put my trust in you for those big things. I thank you, Lord, for your wisdom, for those big things. And I thank you, Lord, for your strength, for those big things. And God, I thank you, Lord, for your help, for those things that you've called me to. God, we remember to consider you faithful. That you didn't leave us alone. That you didn't leave us in our sin. That you sent Jesus to die for us. And God, we remember your faithfulness this morning. Thanks for listening. If you need prayer or would like to share how this message has impacted you, please email info at thecitychurch.ca.